Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Dino Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're going to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are, but let me just say, I know that when we started doing this, we were supposed to cover every episode, but I don't want to do this one. No, no, this one, girl. You know, the way that we um, record or do our recording sessions is we watch an episode and then we turn it off and immediately hit record on our microphones. And I need a minute to get myself together (laughs) after this episode. But if we don't jump into it, then we'll just yeah, never get into we it. We won't get so. it done. Like, gosh, my emotions are high and heavy right now. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. So here we are at one twenty-two, the season finale. And can I just say from the beginning that there, there's so much going on in this episode that there are going to be things that we just don't get to because we'd be here for four hours. And like we said, we are very fresh off just taking in this very heavy episode. So- We know there are going to be some things that we don't get to. And okay. All right. (laughs) Deep breath. Okay. Going for it. I'm ready. We're going to dive deep in here. So we start at the loft with Brian and he is having the uh, time of his life with two other guys there under the blue light. That's a true three way. I I haven't haven't seen that. Like, I don't even know what you call that. Well, uh, yeah, that's. What uh, Brian's here to do, to, you know, sex, educa- sex education, that's what he's here for. Yes. <laughs> so while that is going on, we get a phone call with the rest of the gang that's kind of like cut over this. And I think some people might have an issue with how that's done. They might think it looked hokey, but I liked it. No, I, no, I, I, that, it was fun. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, And they are plotting and scheming and we figure out they're planning something that has to do with Brian. We don't know exactly what it is but yet. But you can tell that he's are. a sinner because yeah. his picture, you know, his scene is still playing as they're, you know, jumping in. Yeah. And whatever it is that they're planning is going to be at his expense, you can tell. So the next morning, the gang shows up and they uh, are kind of all laughing at him. <laughs> you know, they're like, wake up. And because uh, he's like naked and sprawled out on the bed <laughs> and so Justin like jumps on him. He's like, sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> Basically, like I couldn't stop him. They were going to do it. Anyway. It was going to happen. Um, And he's like trying to get them all to go away. And no such luck. <laughs> I mean, this man just woke up from, you know, the best sex session that he's probably had in weeks, you know, <laughs> and he wakes up to five, six people standing in front of him. Extra cheery. It's early in the morning. You yeah. know, he's naked in his apartment. Like they just using these keys that there was only for. Oh, willy nilly. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was supposed to be for emergencies only. And now you're standing in my, my apartment. Yeah. I'm naked. My ass is out. Well, they tie him down and get him dressed and blindfold him and drag him out and we find out that it is Brian's 30th birthday and they have planned this funeral themed party <laughs> for him that includes death day cake it was <laughs> too cute it was uh, everything yeah even just a black cloud of balloons you know <laughs> like cause he's so you know, sorrowful and mournful yes yes over turning mean... 30 um and uh they're like you know, talking to him about New York and think about all the fun you're going to have there and all the stuff you're going to do there. And then he tells them, I'm not going to New York. And then they're all like, what? Can't get a ticket or what's going on? <laughs> Is your start date delayed or whatever? And he says, I'm not going because the job fell through. And Michael is immediately like, why didn't you tell me? And Brian's like, you got it. You got your own life. You're doing your own thing. And Justin's like, well, that's all you've been talking about is going away and not looking back. Right. And he's just like, 
oh, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm already dead. And uh, has a little drama queen moment where he just climbs over into the coffin and closes it. Yeah. And I do want to say something here. What they did was all in good fun. But to Brian, it is a really serious issue. It right. may seem like vanity to them. But knowing what we know about Brian, his youth and his looks and his... You know, him being like this sex god stud of Liberty Avenue, that's all his worth is tied up in that. Yeah, as that's far like as his superpower. Him. Yeah, you know? to him, it's all tied up in that. And so if those things are going away, he's like, who am I? What am I worth? Yep. You know, and so mm-hmm. they think he's just making a big deal and being a drama queen, like I said, but it's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And so without really, maybe without intending to be, they were a little bit insensitive. Mm-hmm. Even I know it was all in good fun, but it was still a little bit insensitive. It was, definitely. But also, they're trying to give him wake-up call. Like, there's more to life than just, you know, your looks, you know, and being vain. There's more than that, you know. Yeah. And um, um, another character touched on it a little more later in the episode, so I, I we'll just wait till we get there, but we'll uh, bring it back to right. this. Right, yeah. Uh, so then we are over at Dr. David and Michael's home, and... Dr. Davis there with the movers and Michael's like, what is going on? What are they doing that here today? Quick. Yeah. And uh, Dr. David has packed up the house. He's scheduled the movers, picked up the plane tickets, booked a car to the airport. Like he's done it all. And Michael says, is there anything I can do? And Dr. David says, stand there and look gorgeous. Isn't it great to be with a guy who does everything? And, that nah. doesn't sit too well with me. Right. I mean, at one point, yeah, I, I kind of like the whole idea, you know, you're going to take care of everything, you know. But it goes back to what we always say about Dr. David. He never is inclusive, you know, being he never includes Michael right. in, in any of the decision making. I don't care if it's something small. He is picking up his whole life and you're not letting him be a part of any of the situation. Like, it's not a good feeling for him. No. And the thing is, like, okay, I have moved like every year for the past like 10 years. I hate packing. (laughs) So if somebody, if some man wants to come pack up my house, go for it. (laughs) But it's the principle of the thing here. Like, like you said, he doesn't. And like, why did Michael not know that? That's important. This is my stuff. And you've already said what's going to the house and what's going to storage. I had no say in that. Exactly. It could be something that you think is not important. But to me, I use it every single day or every, you know, every once a month. But still, it's mine. I should make the decision about whether that comes with us or goes to storage. Absolutely. They'll make all my decisions for me. And then what Dr. Davis said, he in his mind, he thinks it's a good thing. You don't have to do anything but stand there and look gorgeous. If you say that to me, yeah. I'm going to be offended. Yeah, because you make it seem like I'm not capable of doing anything. Right, like, like I'm you just, just see me here for, yeah, Yeah, like wife. I'm just here for your trophy wife. I'm here, you, I'm here for the looks, you know what I'm saying, your sex toy, your play thing. You know, yeah. like, no, I, I have a brain. I'm able and willing and able and capable of doing all the things you just did. Right. Like, include me, please. And I want to do yes. them, too. I it's don't want we. to... Yeah, it's one mm-hmm. thing if I don't want to do anything but sit back and let you take care of everything. But that's some not... some people like that. And some Because some people are... And that's the thing about Dr. David. What he's doing for the right partner, like, that's not... It's not a bad thing. Like, the right partner would love and appreciate everything that Dr. David has done. But that's not who Michael is. No. When Michael remembers himself, right. you know, because sometimes Michael can get a little lost in the weeds. Well, that's when but... he takes them lavish trips to Paris <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. But when he remembers himself, that's not the kind of person that he is. You and know? we also have to know, we have we were introduced um, to Michael as being, you know, like the single guy. You mm-hmm. know, like he has really never been in any serious relationships or things like that. He's always had to do things on his own, you know. Yeah. Well, and we talk about a lot in this first season how Michael is still figuring out who he is. And so, and almost, he's like almost a chameleon where he just kind of mm-hmm. conforms to whatever the people around him are doing. And so I think he did that a lot 
in his relationship with Dr. David. There are times when he realizes it, and so he'll kind of buck against it, and he'll point it out to Dr. David, but then he slips right back into it. And so I think this is typically something he would slip right back into, but for whatever reason, this time he's not fitting as well into that right. into that little spot anymore. I mean, it's enough is enough. He said it too many times. Like, when are you ever going to listen to me? Though? Right. We keep That's coming back to the same. Yeah. And, um, the issues keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is my whole life. It's everything that I possess. You know, it's that true. He's yeah, picking it from you're his making mom. decisions for my possessions yeah. and for my life. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, OK, so over at Mel's office, Emmett and Ted have shown up to take Blake to lunch. And Mel says that he, he hasn't come in. He called and said that he wasn't feeling well or. And so Ted's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's sick and he didn't want to spread his germs. Like, basically, just right. lying on he the He had to lie him. because yeah. he didn't want to give Emmett the satisfaction of saying, I told you so. Right. Well, you and know? he didn't want to burn the bridge, bridge there at, job. at yeah. Mel's firm. Mm-hmm. But Mel tells him, this isn't the first time. He barely does the work that we give him. He's slow. And the other partners are pissed and they want him gone, mm-hmm. basically. And so they're walking out and Ted says to Emmett, don't say anything. And Emmett's like, I wouldn't dare. And uh, then he does make one other, he makes one other comment to him. And Ted says, well, why do you have to be so cynical? And Emmett says, I'd rather be cynical than be in denial. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, he, Emmett has good points. That's what I've always come back to and said. He has really good points. But at the same time, he needs to be more sympathetic for um, Ted's needs. You know, yeah. clearly he can see Ted is in love with this man or have some type of love for this man. You know, you don't have to be so cutthroat yeah. when, you know, you're, you're talking about him. I mean, Ted is actually giving him a chance to so just, you know, I think you should deliver to him in a nicer way and he'll be more receptive. But the way you're coming at it, he's going to think that you're being combative towards him, you know, well, aggressive towards him. Yeah. And because Ted's dealing with his own thoughts and emotions about this situation. And that's enough when I'm sure he's got one side of his brain telling him you're stupid you're foolish why do you keep getting involved in this and then the other part of him saying you love this man you believe in him you're hoping that he can get better so he's dealing with his own internal voices and then to have mm-hmm. Emmett's on top of that I mean he's right I mean what he's saying is 100% right yeah but I mean his delivery especially for someone he cares about like Emmett we all know that Emmett is riding a die for Ted like I mean that is his friend for sure we witnessed that in the see you. Uh, oh no, both of we see how they love each other. You right. know, like how Ted fought for him in the um, see the light. But Ted didn't come in him like that. Ted was trying to make like, here, I'm here for you. Yeah, you he know, made anyway. some wrong moves yeah, with wrong the moves, tool thing. But, but he came back yeah. and redeemed himself. And I don't think Emmett has ever redeemed himself with the way he treats um, um, Blake. Not yet. Personally. Not yet. At this point in the episode. Uh, so then we go over to the the Novotny's household and. Debbie, Jennifer, and Vic are there doing some P-Flag mailers. And I love them together. I love that Jennifer has this community that she can bond with her son. But also, we know, Jennifer's going through that divorce. And so she's got these friends here. Mm -hmm. And so she's kind of finding a little bit of family and friendship Mm -hmm. over here with with Justin's people, you know. Um, So Justin comes in. He says, hey, mom. And both Debbie and Jennifer respond. And that's so (laughs) cute. I love it. Um, and then Debbie pretty much tells him that he's going to the P flag, I think barbecue with his mom. And he's like, okay. And Jennifer is just shocked because she could never get never. Justin to mm-hmm. do what she wanted him to do. It's a different type of relationship that he has with Debbie. You know, she treats him like an adult. She yeah. talks to him. She gets to know him. She doesn't, you know, smother him with the whole parent thing. Debbie makes a comment about Michael 
because we know she's going to miss him. And then Jennifer offers, she said, well, we can just share Justin. <laughs> and, and Debbie's like, yeah, but he'll be leaving soon, too. Graduation is coming up and prom. And so then that sends them all down mm-hmm. memory lane about prom. And Vic says that, you know, he went with this girl and he but he couldn't go with the person he wanted to take, it was, which was a guy. And then, well, Justin tells him, well, I'm not going. Right. You know, but I don't know. I could never be. I was never that bold to even dream about bringing a guy to prom. Yeah. No, (laughs) absolutely not. I didn't even have that thought in my head. I mean, never, because I knew that could just never happen, ever happen. Uh, So Debbie, Vic, and Jennifer are telling Justin that prom is a rite of passage, and they encourage him to go. Uh, So then over at Ted's apartment, he is waiting um, for Blake. Blake comes in. And he's like stripping off his clothes and chugging water. And it's clear that he is hopped up on, on something. Mm. Yeah. Ted's trying to talk to him and find out like, hey, you weren't at work. You, they said you were sick. What's going on? Blake's like, oh, yeah, I had one of those 24 hour things. But he's just out of it. You know, uh, Ted's trying to like talk reasonably with mm-hmm. him. And it, that's just not going over well. Um, he is like super horny and super aggressive. And Ted's trying to get him to stop. But I think. The whole situation, Ted is just like, uh, this is spiraling yeah. out of control. Yeah. He's not used to it. Like, I mean, he probably was expecting Blake, you know, to still be somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. But this man is on like a thousand when he comes yeah. to the door. Like, I mean, he's at the peak of the of the drugs, you know. And like you said, he, he's fumbling with the water bottles, dripping water all over himself. He's horny on a thousand. He comes yeah, in. Yeah, he's like pulling Ted's clothes off. Yeah, and ripping them off. off. And Ted is not wanting to but he i think he just he's like in shock a little bit like right. i don't really know what to do or what to and say and he's just going because there's like a desperation in in blake's face he's like i need it i want it you know and <laughs> i think i think that um yeah ted just doesn't know how to respond so he right. just lays there but i don't think this he's enjoying this no at he all. wasn't i want to say like it's questionable whether this is consensual or not. You <laughs> Seriously, know? though, the way he's ripping his pants off and things like that. I mean, yeah, it's very questionable. Yeah. Then over at Babylon, Michael, Brian and Emmett are there at the bar and they're ordering drinks. And Emmett is, of course, you know, doing the, oh, this may be the last drink we have together. Mm-hmm. This may be the last time we see each other. And he's getting all emotional and he decides not to cry, but to throw a party <laughs> instead, a flannel party, because that's something they have in Portland. <laughs> yes, you know, you got to go with the thing, baby, what yeah, they have there. Go and, the uh, you know, Brian, of course, is just, well, if you don't, you can't find any, you can borrow some from Melanie and Lindsay. Um, <laughs> Uh, so during this whole exchange, Brian is just being a jerk and kind of over it mm-hmm. because, you know, he's dealing with his own stuff with his age and then him not going to New York. And then also Michael leaving. I do think that's tough on. Him. Yeah, I do think he cares about that. He's mm-hmm. going to be fine. I think if it were reversed and let's say Michael wasn't with Dr. David, he was single and Brian was leaving. Like, I'd worry about Michael. No, seriously. <laughs> but but Brian's going to be OK. He you know, he's a survivor, obviously. Uh, but still, you know, he's a little bit bothered by that on top of everything else that he's got going on in his life. Mm-hmm. And so he walks off because he's done with Emmett's tears <laughs> and emotions. And uh, and so Michael follows after him. And when he does, I guess because uh, Michael has already told him about the stuff going on with Dr. David, because he always does. Right. You know, he's always told him about his relationship First, stuff. I mean, it don't even be 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, all as the soon as David walks out of the room, yeah. closes the door, he's immediately on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> like, come him on what now. happened. You know, I didn't comment on this in the last episode when Brian and Michael were at the movie theater. Um, But I think when Brian was pushing him then, like, you need to get out of here. You need to go to 
Portland with Dr. David, I do think Brian was more self-focused then than he is here in this episode. Uh, because when he tells him to go, he says, we're not teenagers anymore. And I think it's because he's telling him to like, stop tagging along, you know, stop following behind me. And I think perhaps there's a little bit of bite to his tone because to him, it's a reminder that a reminder to Brian that he's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, because at this point he knows, well, at that point he knew that New York fell through. And so he was upset because he wasn't going anywhere. And he didn't need Michael reminding him of that by just tagging along, doing the same things that they've been doing. And so that's why he was telling him to go. But here in this episode, I think he is just telling Michael, be your own man. So Brian does challenge Michael on just rolling over and sitting on the sidelines and letting David do everything. But not just that he's doing all the tasks, but like, He's dictating your life. He's deciding what you're going to do, where you're going to live, and how you're going to do it. Like, you're just letting him do it all. And mm -hmm. if that's what you want, that's fine. But just whatever. Acknowledge that that's what's happening. So Brian leaves Michael to kind of think that over. Mm -hmm. And when he's walking off, probably headed toward the back room, he spots this guy. He was this headed guy. to the back room. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He spots this guy. And as he's going down the steps, he gets a phone call. It's Justin. He's like, he's too young for you. <laughs> and then, so then they... Uh, they, Justin goes over to to talk to Brian while he's on the steps there. He, I love this exchange. He, I do too. Yes. Absolutely love it. He just, he is so brave and so bold. And yes. just, I think the, and not just because he wants to ask Brian to prom, but just, um, just the, the confidence he has. I mean, the love he's, he's, I don't know. Um, I want to say his, what I was going to say is his freedom to express his emotions. Yes, like yes. people think that that's weak, but that those are the strongest people. The people that are like, this yeah. is how I feel, how I feel about you. And I'm not afraid to say it. Yes. Absolutely. Those people are so strong and so brave. And he just has that in droves. But so here he is asking Brian to come to prom with him. And Brian's like, as what your chaperone? He's like, no, <laughs> as my date. And Justin's asking this, like, this is a totally normal thing for me to be asking. Right, like, you. this is normal. And Brian's like, are you out of your mind? And uh, Brian's like, no, go ask some girl to go with you. And he's like, no, I'll, I want to go with, with the person I I, who I care about. Mm -hmm. He's like, if the, and I love the way he says it. And if that happens to be a man, like, then so, yeah, what, so, so be, be it. it. Yeah, because it's like, it's not about me making a statement and going with a guy. It's like, no, I want to go with the person I want to go with. That person happens to be a guy. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the big deal? And Brian says, you know, that's just what I need to be at this dance with a bunch of 18-year-olds. And Justin and makes just, a comment. Yeah. I thought you loved fucking 18-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. You know? I love it. Facts. Oh, I love Justin. <laughs> and he did it with such a little, you know, little grin on yeah. his face. It was cute. And then Brian, like, comes back up to him. He's like, go buy a corsage and give it to someone else. Like, basically, like, no, I'm yeah. not going. I'm not even going to think about that. So then Ted walks into the diner and he joins Emmett at the bar there. And he's telling him about his all-nighter with Blake. And Emmett's kind of like, oh, you know, uh, what, what a first world problem <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, no, it wasn't him that I was with. It was some drug. And then Ted says, you were right. And you happy? And Emmett says, no, I'm not happy. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. Ted's just in a crisis. Like, what am I going to do? Emmett's like, okay, you're going to get you some coffee. You're going to go home. You're going to change the locks. And then Ted's kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. And so then Emmett's just like, and you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Basically, you're going to cut him yeah. out of your life. You're going to free yourself from that. And Ted starts to break down. He's like, I can't do that. And this goes back to what you said earlier about Emmett. This is when Emmett starts to say, okay, no matter what I think, 
Ted loves this man. Right. And he cares about him. And he it's not that easy for him to walk away. And I think Emmett knows that. And the, yes. that's the reason why Emmett was so adamant at the front end. Because he was like, once you get attached to a person with it's an addiction, to detach, yeah. it's hard to detach. And you're just in for the long yeah. haul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after Emmett sees him breaking down there, that's he when he says, change of approach. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. he changes his approach. He softens up. Okay, let's try door number two. And he suggests a rehab. Yeah. You know, Betty Ford Clinic. Yeah, yeah which is the, one of the best. Mm-hmm. So, for sure. And then Emmett does say, he said, that'll be a test to see who he loves more, you or Crystal. I disagree with that because I think it's really more... He should be doing it for himself? Yeah, it's that. And it's like, does he have the strong of commitment to... It's more about him. It's not about... It's not about... The relationship. It's not about Ted. It's not about the relationship. It's about... Does Ted... Does Blake, I'm sorry, love himself himself enough to do it? Is he ready to do it? Is he in the right headspace to do it? Does he have enough faith and belief in himself to do it? Right. It's not really about about Ted. No, I I get what he was saying, but I I I get where he's coming from, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying as well. Because ultimately, it's not about Ted. It's about Blake... Being mentally prepared and getting mentally healthy. Right. You know, uh, and trying to break away from that drug addiction. He shouldn't go in there thinking, oh, I'm doing this for Ted. Because if you go in there doing it for Ted, he's never going to succeed in it. Right. He has to go in there and say, I'm doing this for myself so I can be better. Then I can be better for Ted, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I think what Emmett said was just going to give Ted hope. You know, hey, if he... Either he's going to let me know up front now he's going to choose a life for the streets or he's going to go to the the clinic. It's kind of like the Traviata, Traviata, mm-hmm. you know, like does she choose her man or does she choose the streets again? You know, so right. kind of same scenario to me. Exactly the same scenario. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then over at the school, Chris Hobbs is there wasting space and air and he shoves Justin down and Justin's just like, oh, gosh, you know, like can't wait to be done with this graduation can't get her soon enough basically and Daphne comes over and we see that things are still awkward between the two of them they haven't quite made up yet Mm -hmm. but even with that going on she sees Chris Hobbs shove him down and she comes over there because she still loves and cares about Justin like no matter what yeah that's not gonna go anywhere and that's really the only person he has at that school is Daphne um, and it seems like he's kind of you know, the only person or one of the only people that she has, yeah, too. So, seriously. Yeah, that's just a deep, uh, deep friendship, deep love between the two of them. So they get to talking and he asks her if she's going to prom. Uh, and he tells her that he asked Brian. And then she's like, what? No way. <laughs> and he says, well, he turned me down. And Daddy's like, oh, my gosh, could you imagine, though, if mm-hmm. he did say yes? As they go out and they're sharing a cigarette. He says, you know, I missed you, Daphne. And you know, she missed him, too. And I love that it's just between the two of them. It's so simple. Justin says, weirdness over. And then and then Daphne says, weirdness definitely over. And yeah. that's the end of it. And I'm glad it did because you can see that she was definitely uh, loving her some Justin. And not <laughs> loving her in the friendship way. In the platonic yeah. way. She, well, because even when, that's right, when he asked her if she was going to prom, well, he suggested they go kinda, together. Yeah, and she's mm-hmm. like, as, like a date. And he's like, as two as, friends. As two friends. Yeah, because he's he got to put that reassurance on it. Like, yeah. no, girl. We're done. Okay. <laughs> like, no, no. At mm-hmm. this point, we're just friends. Yeah. That was a one-time only thing. That's funny. Yeah. So then we see Brian and Lindsay out shopping and we, Brian, even if he's not considering it, he's still thinking about the fact that Justin asked him to prom because he told Lindsay. Yeah, he told Lindsay. I mean, he could have just kept that to himself because mm-hmm. Justin probably wasn't, I mean, he told Daphne, but he wasn't just going to go around. Yeah. You know, it was just the two of them when he, when he said it. Right. Anyway. So 
Yeah, I mean, Brian intentionally brought that up yeah. to Lindsay and told told her, and she thought it was so sweet. Yeah, I, which I thought it was sweet, <laughs> yeah. too. I love that Lindsay and Mel are in Justin's corner. I right? do, too. They, they fight hard for that's, him. Uh, that's what I always say. They're his big sisters. Yeah. Um, and Lindsay says, well, he's emotionally 12 years your senior. Uh... <laughs> and, and Brian's like, I'm not going. I'm too old. <laughs> that is too much. So he's still, you know, like I said, Pouting. on this whole age thing. And... Lindsay's like, it's really not that bad because prob- with the exception of Justin and Emmett by a few years, the rest of them are 30 already. Yeah. Ted's over 30. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of piece together that the rest of them are at least 30. Right. And so Lindsay shares this quote that's supposed to inspire and encourage Brian. And he's like, I wrote that. It's BS. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you know, I want to get older. I want gray hair and wrinkles and she wants, you know, Gus to grow up and make her a grandmother. She wants to grow old with Melanie. And mm. Brian's like, I want none of those things. None, okay? Like zero. Zilch. So she asks him, what do you want? And he just sees what's right in front of him. Just kind of like immediate gratification. He sees his white scarf and he's like, this. I want this scarf. Mm. His, I'm telling you, he's a, a great deflector. He's never going to let you in on his emotional side. He's not. He's yeah. always going to give, give you, you... Yeah, he'll give you a little bit yeah. because... Because he does have feelings and he does have worries and concerns and things he wants to talk about. It's just so foreign and so uncomfortable right. for yep. him. So that's why he'll give them a little bit knowing that they will do all the asking. Yeah. And then he can be like, oh, leave me alone about yeah. it. When he's the one who brought it up. And that makes him feel loved too. You know, like yeah. the people inquiring about him, you know, now he's important. He's special. Right. And if they are doing the question, it's not him wanting to talk about it. Right. It's they won't leave me alone until mm-hmm. I answer them. So. Like these people just on my last nerve asking me all these questions. <laughs> So he says, you know, maybe I should celebrate turning 30 and get myself something special. Then over at uh, with Dr. David and Michael, they are getting ready to go to the party that Emmett has put together. And Michael is mumbling something in the closet, mumbling (laughs) his frustrations over there. I'm glad he did. Michael wants Michael's like, okay, let's have a talk. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what I'm going to be doing when we're in Portland. And. Dr. Davis basically got it all lined out yeah. <laughs> for them. Uh, like, yeah. like, you don't really have to do anything. Yeah. You're just going to go and, you know, be there. And I'm going to do all this other stuff. And, yeah. yeah and you're just going to play, you know, homemaker at the house for, you know, 8 to 12 hours while I'm gone. Like, no, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. So, again, they're just, like, missing each other yeah, here they, they in just this having, I mean, their communication is extremely off. Like, it, they never connect when, when it comes to communicating. Their expectations for their relationship are... Like they, they, they don't link up, and that yeah. you know, I think that is um, one of the most frustrating and upsetting things: is unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when they're not clearly communicated and when they're not shared between two partners. Uh, like that can that can destroy a relationship fast. Absolutely. So then we go to the going away party that Emmett has put together, and he went all out, and of course he did because this is Emmett. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's pine scented spray, there's a moose, there's <laughs> flannel everywhere. Vic is there in PJs, <laughs> and, but uh, I mean it counts. It's a flannel robe. Yeah, it, was, it, it was flannel. <laughs> so, it worked. Yeah, and so the gang's all there except for Brian. And so we go over to the loft and we see Brian having a party for one over there and he's got his liquor out and he, he got is, some J's rolled. Yeah, he is uh, getting lit over there. Uh, so then we go back to the party and Emmett is asking Ted if he has talked to, to Blake yet, if they've had the conversation yet. And they have not. But Michael comes over while they're talking and um, so he talks to them a little bit and poor Emmett just can't hold it together. He cannot. 
let me ask you this. So in that scene, um, Emmett and Ted were talking about Blake, but then Michael walks up. Clearly, Michael doesn't even know about anything about the Ted situation, the calling out for work, the right. drunken sex, you know, using again, um, checking into Betty for any of that. He doesn't know any of that stuff. When they walk up and he was like, um, say goodbye now. Do you think? And then when when um when Michael said to Emmett, "Oh, you don't have to do that now," and um Emmett was like, "Oh, we're not talking about you." Do you do you think that was a little inappropriate of Emmett to even bring Michael into that situation, like kind of putting him on? Well, blast? you know, I'm glad that Emmett didn't say we weren't talking about you. We were talking about Blake. Let me right. tell you what's going on. So. Yeah, true. I mean, he didn't say any names, but as a friend for me, I always use context clues. You yeah, know, and I'm gonna find out. Yeah, you know, so I don't know, but a lot of times, you know, you have certain friends like like, like the group. Michael and, and Brian, besties, you know, I always feel like Ted and Emmett are the same type right. of closeness. Although they're all super friends, you got those two, fr- you know, you you have one person you're a little closer to than the other, you uh-huh. know? So, I mean, I don't know. I just wouldn't, don't even, just hush up. You know yeah. what I'm Like, don't do that. Yeah, well, yeah, Michael just happened to hear the tail end of that. But, yeah, so Emmett did make a comment, but I am I am glad that he didn't. He didn't say the names. That he didn't say the names, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, go and also, this says something about Melanie, that she hasn't blabbed to the rest of the friends. Yeah. You know, Ted got Blake a job. Well, I, you know, I did mm-hmm. a favor for Ted and gave Blake this temp position at my company, and he's making a fool of all of us. Like, And she didn't even mention it to Ted. He right. found out when they did the pop-up. Yeah, lunch. because it had already been yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she, I guess, was just going to endure until something else yeah. opened up or let the... Let the other partners in the firm deal with it. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I do uh, appreciate that about her. Mm-hmm. That she didn't go just because, you know, I love all the gang, but some of them got some real loose lips. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they will tell everybody's business. Well, we know that's Debbie. <laughs> Debbie tells everybody's business. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Ted and Michael share a hug. They're, you know, talking about saying goodbye. And it's very sweet and very emotional. And I think. For Ted, yes, he's going to miss Michael. Plus, that was also just like, I don't want to say a missed opportunity because, um, you know, he put that crush he had to Michael. He put that to bed. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I think he's sad about that. But also, Ted's got all this stuff going on with Blake. Yeah, I think it's it has to do with, he's just emotional right now. He right. Has, his emotions are, you know, all over the place due to the Blake situation. He is losing a close friend. You know, Michael was the level-headed one in the group, you know. And so, yeah, him losing a friend, he's it's not like he's never going to see him again. But it's just a little sad, you know, a little sad moment. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, he's got a lot of, like you said, a lot of emotions going on. Uh, Michael, well, Debbie asks if, you know, she asks Michael, are Ted and Emmett going to be okay? And he's like, yes. And so he asks her if she she will be okay. And Deb says, well, you're not going to the moon. It's no big deal. And, you know, she's giving herself a pep talk. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. You're just going to Portland. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll There's be able to call you. Yeah. And-, and Michael tells her and Vic that they can come visit him anytime. And, yeah, so... The Novotnys are going to handle this. Yeah. So <laughs> the Novotnys and Grossies. The Vic, they're going to handle this. Um, and so Debbie gives him a hug, a very tight hug, so tight that she gets stuck in that <laughs> position. Oh, holler, girl. Uh, that was too funny. Then to we flash back over to the to the loft at, at Brian's little party, and he's dancing with his scarf. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm worried about him. Yeah, I was like, um, what is this man on? Is he on ecstasy? I'm worried about him, but <laughs> we don't see any more at this moment. So back at the party, Michael pulls Justin to the side and he says, I need you to do me a favor. And Justin's like, I've heard this before. What? Disappear? I uh, know. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is a very sweet moment with them, too. And Michael tells him, I want you to take care of my mom. And I think that shows how much 
he's kind of just accepted Justin's presence in mm-hmm. their life. And not just like, oh, he's here, we can't get rid of him. But just like, no, he's a part of yeah, this family too is, now. Though. But it also shows that Michael has grown, you know, at least a little bit right. in relation to, to Justin and how he's relating to him. Because that's a huge honor. Like, take care of my mom. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm not going to get just anybody. No, you're not. You're going <laughs> to check the in best... on my mom. Exactly. Like, I don't care if he lives here. Even if I don't trust him or think he could do the job, think he's up for it. Get Emmett to, you know, tell right, Emmett right, to check right. up on your mom. But Someone who's been knowing her a little longer anyway. Right. But the fact that he entrusted Justin, which means he knows that Justin's going to give his all. He knows Justin loves Debbie. You know, hard as well. And he knows he's a good person. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he says that. Take care of my mom. And if you see that she's lonely, you know, sit with her for a while. Listen to her, even if you've heard the story before. Sometimes she just needs to know that someone is listening. And so mm-hmm. I loved hearing him say that about his mom also. Because we do see in some episodes where he takes Deb for granted. and he He's short with her. He's yeah, rude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really he's done Debbie a little wrong a couple times this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, But here we get to see, he we we know it but we get to hear it again just mm-hmm. how much he loves his mom and that he is looking out for her you know like hey justin i want you to do this for me make sure you're looking out for my mom and that you're there for her mm-hmm. and justin just says i promise so uh still at this party blake comes over to ted and he's telling him like oh my gosh i love your friends they're kind of like family and Ted says, you know, they are family. Yeah. Not like family. They are family. Yeah. And he's like, you know, we, it's because we trust each other. And Blake's uh. like, whoa, what's that about? Mm-hmm. And Ted says, let's not pretend there's not a moose in the middle of the room. <laughs> which is just <laughs> there's perfect. There's a damn moose in the middle of the room. <laughs> there really is a moose <clears throat> in the middle of the room. Uh, he tells Blake, like, I know you're using again. Um, I found it in your jacket. And Ted, you know, Blake is initially like, oh, my gosh, do you not trust me? Are you checking up on me? That right there, because his face was like, it looked like the exorcist when he said that to him, you know, and was like, trust. Yes, bitch, trust. Okay. For one, I wasn't digging through your stuff. I just found it by accident. And then two, yes, I do trust you because I could have confronted you then, but I didn't. I waited uh, uh, at least a few days to even bring it up. We're discussing it now. You know what I'm saying? And then two or three. Why would I trust you? I found drugs. Yeah. I was right. Yeah. And I you was didn't right. tell me. And like, you, you brought that into my home. Brought that into my home. You know, um, and then just with everything else that was going on with me, like, I got you that job with Melanie, you know, and Mel helped us both out with doing that. And you didn't tell me what was going on. Like, I understand if I'm, if you're dealing with an ass, like, I understand this is going to be a struggle and there are going to be times when you're doing great and there might be times when you fall off the wagon. I understand that, but you have to tell me It that. goes back to like a we, like, we are in this together. Yeah. I have made you an extension of my life, you know, so mm-hmm. we are as one. You live with me. I need to know these things. Those That should have been communicated to me, you know, so we can walk down this path together. Yeah. But did he do that? No, he Again, did not. And this is what I always say, uh, because... He took away Ted's choice in that. Like, mm-hmm. Ted knew that he was struggling with addiction, but he had told him he was clean, he was doing better, he's making all these strides. But I don't think he told, I don't think he told Ted, that, well, he obviously didn't tell him that he was still actively buying it right. or using it or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? And so by doing that, you took away Ted's choice. And so n- now Ted's like, I do have a choice. And what I've decided is, I cannot live with an addict. I cannot make love to an addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically telling him, like, we're done. this is over. Yeah. yeah. Either you clean up your act or we're done. And Blake says to him, I don't want to be like this. And I believe what Blake is saying. I really do. Uh, because, you know, 
like we've said many times, addiction is just so, so tough and I hard. I don't know. I, at first, I did. Like, the first couple of times, I did believe Blake. I did. But you have a whole community. When I say community, I mean the family, the gang, behind you. Minus one, because the one was always um, skeptical. Emmett already knew what it was. Because clearly, he he must have a backstory of... of he knows someone very yeah, yeah, close to him, about that, yeah. you know, or something like that. Because I mean, he just knows the signs and symptoms and the characteristics a little bit too well, you know, right. than everyone else. But you had a whole team backing you. You, like you said, Mel got you a job. Last episode, we saw you relapse. This man went to you into the crack house, right. pulled you out, kissed on you when you would you were not even showered, no teeth brushed, no you wasn't clean. You was very very nasty, and he still gathered you up took you back home he was here for you you could tell this man anything you know he loved you and the fact that you were sneaking behind his back and getting drugs and you know and, and making him look foolish in front of his friends and yeah. and her partners her co-workers i mean that's just irresponsible no i don't believe this man at yeah, all i think know, an addict will I, tell you whatever want, you want to hear i'll amend that i think that he wants to get to a place where he can say, I don't want to be like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I do think that he wants that to be true. And I don't I don't think he wants to be a crystal meth addict. I don't think no, that at all. No, he doesn't want that. But, but he's not I don't enough. know that he's at the place to really... I just, yeah, I don't know if he's there yet. Over, um, back at Brian's loft, he is swinging this scarf around. And I really just can't do that right now with him. So we're going to go on. <laughs> um, we'll come back later. Okay, so... Uh, back at this party that, like I said last episode, anytime they're all together, there are so many different dynamics going yes. on. Because at this party that M has put together, you've got um Ted and Blake with their stuff going on. You've got Dr. David and Michael with their yep. stuff going mm-hmm. on. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, so Michael is sitting in this dark room, and Dr. David comes in, and he's telling him that he's changed the plane reservations. He's changed the flight. And Michael's just like, oh my gosh, like, dude. Why, again? Like, yeah. bro, we just had this conversation. Okay? Not only did we have this conversation the last six months, mm-hmm. but we're still you're still doing it. Yeah. You know? Like, you're still doing the stuff. And how do you not see that something is, that that is wrong? Yes. That, that is problematic? How do you not see that? And Michael says, you think I'm just going to do whatever you want? Like, I'm the one giving up everything mm-hmm. for you. If it was reversed, would you have done the same thing for me? And David can't even answer that. Right. He can't. And, you know, I understand why Michael's upset. But the thing is, Michael, yes, you're choosing to do everything for him. Like, you've got to accept your responsibility in this, too. I do want to say that to Michael. <laughs> yeah, know? no. I mean, hold up. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes. Michael has decided to get up and go. Yes, because he yes. is loving and caring like that. But at the same time, now he got to reflect. Was I, did I make this decision too quickly? Mm-hmm. Because this man is not even listening to not one of my um, concerns, you know? Right. He's not taking no advice from me, no nothing. Like, if I'm leaving my whole family, if he's doing this around my whole family, and I'm about to uproot and go to somewhere else to his family, you know, where does that kind of leave me? Like, am I going to be back here in a month yeah. on my ass because I, I can't deal with it? Like, I see where he's coming from. David needs to chill out and cool it. And yes, Michael has grown and he's making decisions to go. But at the same time, I feel like what he said, it was validated. It was very valid. He needed to say it. Yeah, he needed to say it. But, and I think what he was, is him finally realizing like, hey, I've got to take control of my own life. I got to make my own decisions here. Like, I can't just let... David do it and then just be like, and eh, David made all the decisions. Yeah. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was saying. He can't just whine about it. He's got to eventually like put his Take foot a down. Yeah, and so that's exactly. what he's doing now. Yeah. And Dr. David just like he walks out. He doesn't even know what to say in response to that. 
Okay, so back over at the loft, Brian um, has now added poppers to his uh, party favors. <laughs> and we see him, like, something's going on. Like, we can tell he's uh, pleasuring yeah. himself, but mm-hmm. we can't really, you know, we can see his face and he's kind of looking like he's yeah, in and out days. of it. Yeah, uh-huh. and then we see Michael come rushing in and we don't really know what's going on, but he's frantically trying to do something. And what we find out is that he's, untying Brian basically because he's yeah. hanging uh, because he was attempting scarfing or autoerotic asphyxiation. Is mm-hmm. that, that right? That's yeah. correct. Uh, and Michael is like, what are you doing? And Brian says that he's celebrating his 30th birthday and he says, well, you could have killed yourself. And then Brian says that wouldn't be such a bad thing. Now, do you think I don't think Brian was intentionally trying to commit suicide Oh, absolutely here. not. But those things, like Michael said, that anything could have happened. Anything could have went wrong. Yeah. You know? And I do think, based on what Brian says, he says, you know, I could go out in a blaze of glory like Jimi Hendrix and James Dean. Uh, he's like, you know, they'll always be young and beautiful. And Michael's like, yeah, and they'll always be dead. Okay, so when I look at the rest of this conversation, I don't think that Brian was intentionally trying to be, commit suicide, but I think it was... In this moment, I am chasing the greatest pleasure mm-hmm. that I can give myself. And if and stuff whatever, happens, mm-hmm. stuff happens. Yeah, like whatever, you know, consequences come with that, then they just come and I'm yeah. going to take it. I do think that that's where mm-hmm. he was. And that's a dangerous place. No, it and is. that's what I meant earlier when I was saying that his friends, I know that they meant it was all in good fun, but they didn't realize just how, how far he was on that edge. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just, they're pushing and pushing, thinking they're being funny and cute, but this was actually a real serious um, um, issue for him. So. Yeah. I mean, Brian's had a lot going on. I mean, he has lost his dad. Mm-hmm. He has lost his job that he was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's having to interact with his mother and we see that's got to be yeah, horrible for him. Uh, Michael is moving through, away. Yeah, and he's been through a sexual um, harassment right, case. I mean, the, everything. Right. And then yeah. he's got this new young kid in his life that he cares about and he didn't want to, but also there's been a lot with that, you know, right. um, taking Justin in, having him live with him, being concerned about Justin, becoming this, like, protector yeah, for him. Uh-huh. And it's just been a Car lot. from the dad. I mean, Right, yeah. Everything. It's just been a whole lot for him. I mean, he's got this son and it's like, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? Like, I yeah. should not be anybody's father. He's just had like a whole lot. It's a, a going shit ton on. on his shoulders, it you really know. Is. And I mean, he's a strong person, but you can only carry so much, you right. know. And now we're starting to see the weight on his shoulders, you know. Right. And we see, like, like we've said, his friends do love him and care about him, but they just totally, I think I worded it this way, they totally misunderstand and mishandle him mm-hmm. sometimes. And so. You know, they put him in that box and they see him in this one dimensional way. Sometimes, Not all of them, but, you know, the majority of the friends. Right. And so he just, I don't know. And I think that's what we see right here. It's just like, all I care about is pleasure in this moment. Mm-hmm. I don't care about anything else. And like we said, whatever happens is what happens. Yeah. Uh, so Michael tells him that he's saving him like. Uh, uh, Captain Astro. Yeah, like the guy had to save Captain Astro. When he thought he lost all his powers and he tells Brian, you still have all your powers and you always will. You'll always be young. You'll always be beautiful. Like, you're Brian Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> no, know? seriously, though. Um, But, and it sounds so hokey because it sounds like he's just quoting a comic book. But 
he's speaking to Brian in words that are important to him. Like, yeah. You'll be beautiful. You'll be young. And I don't think Michael means those necessarily literally. Like physical, no, but you have a young spirit. You know, yeah. no one can stop that. You know, mm-hmm. you're beautiful inside and out, well, Brian. Yeah, I think that's what he's telling. Yeah. Like, no you have worth that. and you have value and people would miss you and you are mm-hmm. important to us. And so he's just saying it in a way that Brian will receive and understand. Right. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I said I, another character mentioned it earlier. They'll, those are his powers, you know, and they will forever be within him yeah you know uh, he's he's making him feel like he's making it seem like you know every year he gets older he's being stripped of his powers no michael was 100 percent correct no one can ever strip that of your, your strip those powers from you yeah it was embedded inside of you brian mm-hmm. you are an awesome man like that so yeah and what he thinks missed. of as <clears throat> youth is not in what age you are right. mm-hmm. there are other and what he thinks of his beauty is not in what you like mm-hmm. whether you have wrinkles or not yeah and that's kind of what michael was saying and that's a lesson that brian's gonna have to learn yeah um so then we see ted and blake and they have gone to this rehab center and ted tells him i'm happy um that you're that you're doing this and blake says it's for us right and that made me kind of go you know um so ted gives him a disc of la traviata the the opera that the two of them have bonded over for him to listen to while he's there and as he's leaving, Blake says, well, you told me that they do get together and they sing many lovely duets. And then Ted says, well, you know, that's the sequel, La Traviata 2. Right. So <laughs> Blake let him know, like, I know you lied to me. Right. Like, that's not how it ends. It doesn't right. end like that way. You know? Yeah. And so, like, he's a little bit less hopeful because, you know, yeah. initially he thought it was going to end one way. But then he sees that it, it in reality it. it didn't go that way. And, and he probably sees the um, correlation between, like, that relationship there to theirs that they right, have. of course. Uh, so then Dr. David and Michael are at home and Dr. David's packing up to leave and things are still tense and Dr. David thinks that this is about Brian and I get where he, why he would think that, but Michael tells him, no, this time, you know, for once, it's actually not about and Brian. Girl, it's about you. Yeah, that part. It's not about Brian. Stop that. Brian is not your competition, bro. Okay? Mm-hmm. You already got your man. Listen, no, that's where you're wrong at because you're focused on the wrong thing. You should know it by now it's about your ass, okay? Because I've been telling you, you know, 30,000 times already that, yeah. you know, you need to listen to me, listen to me, ask me, include me, you know, but you haven't. But you're worried about, oh, if, if Brian would have told you he wasn't going, you wouldn't been going. You know what? Matter of fact, I probably wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, I probably would, but that's okay. not the issue here. <laughs> you know? Still, it's and, you. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, and David almost has this refusal to see his own flaws. I don't like that. Yeah, no. That is not a good look, Dr. David. So as he's going to the airport and Michael offers to drive him. He's like, no, I'd rather you wouldn't. And because um, at this point, Michael's not going is what it seems like at this point. And Dr. David, so Michael's like, look, I'm sorry. And Dr. David says, well, no, you shouldn't be the one apologizing. I should apologize. I didn't include you in the decisions. And, you know, I didn't give you a voice. I didn't let you speak into this situation. And so, again, he gives the right apology, but it's like, but stop doing the stuff on the front end. These are the same things, you know? Um, This is what we dealt with a couple episodes ago when he was paying for all this stuff and not letting Michael contribute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, yeah, it's like you just keep doing the same thing. It's like, yeah, I appreciate the apology, but it keeps coming on the back end of you doing what we've already talked about. Stop saying sorry and be more careful. Yeah, (laughs) be more considerate on the front end. You won't have to apologize so much on the back end. 
But also in this moment, Michael is realizing that he didn't think things through. You know, maybe mm-hmm. he should have thought about it a little bit more and really considered what it was going to mean for him and for his life and decide on his own if he was going to go and not just because. Well, he did say yes at that bar at, at Vic's little celebration dinner. He did say yes, but then everything just snowballed from there. And I think, he again, I think he only said yes because Brian told him to go. And he knew that Brian was going to be going to New York, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he... And it's, it's almost... He didn't goes, make his own decision. He didn't. It goes back to what we was talking about last episode or two when Justin was going to go to Dartmouth or um, PIFA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like... We, he had to sit there and make his own decision. With him drawing at the end of that right. episode, it, it just sealed the deal like, hey, I know what I got to do. Right. And, but no one could tell him which way to go. It, right. It, he wouldn't he have been happy. He listened to the advice, yes. but he had to sit there, yeah, alone and make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what's happening with Michael in this moment right here. Like, yes, he said yes, but I think he only went because he... I got to match Brian. Brian's doing this. I got to do something, yeah. you know, or what is what I'm going to be if Brian isn't here, you know, so I, I better go. Um, so I think he, he was doing it. And also, Michael seemed like he's a people pleaser. Like, yeah. he definitely didn't want to disappoint David. So, yes, I'm going to go. You know, that's that's where I feel. Yeah, I think, you know, he he made his own decision. But I do think you're right. Like, he just did what. I don't know what he felt like they w- want him to do or expect yes. him. And I'm not saying like, oh, well, they forced me into it. That's not at all what no, I'm no, saying. No. Yeah. no, Michael made the decision. But what we're saying is he didn't have, I guess, the... I can't think of the word, but he 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 did not make it on his own. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't just say, okay, I've heard what y'all have to say. I know what y'all have going on, but here's what I want to do because that's right for Michael. Uh, so before Dr. David leaves, he gives Michael um, his plane ticket and he tells him, if you decide to come, then you come on your own terms and on your own time. So he does give him that option. Right. Again, we said on the backside of it, but still, mm-hmm. he technically gives him the option. Uh, so then over at uh, the Novotny household, Emmett is introducing us to the... Uh, polished yes. Justin Taylor. Very polished. <laughs> and he comes downstairs, his hair is slick, he's got a nice tuxedo with a bow tie, and he looks really he nice. He looks so handsome. He does. My baby has grown up. Oh my yeah. God. Um, and the family is there for this, supporting him. I mean, Gen- Jennifer, Vic, Debbie, Emmett, Melanie, and Lindsay, and they're all like, telling him how great he looks. Mel says she would go for him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jennifer's there in tears, and I'm glad that she was there. Um, yes, you know absolutely. that she came over and that she was there, and I just love it. They're gonna send their baby off to prom. Yep, and I just want to touch on too. Also, love how there is no jealousy between Jennifer um, and, and, and Debbie. Deb. Yes, so Be- important. Yeah, it's very important because I mean, Deb li- literally stepped up to the plate. For a child, she doesn't even know like that, mm-hmm. you know? And she's taking excellent care of him. And also, she's experiencing probably one of the greatest, greatest moments of this, you know, the greatest years. The senior year in, in, in high school yeah. is like one of the greatest moments for you, you know? Uh, it starts off those life milestones. So, um, you know, Jennifer kind of missed some of them because of the relationship that Craig had um, with Justin and how that all that played out, you know, so she kind of missed some. So she could have some resentment or some build, some type of anger right. towards Deb. But the fact that she's, you know, open heart, open minded, open hearted as well, uh, it's just very sweet. And it just shows um, how sweet her character is and how she's really trying to understand and would do anything for the love of her son. So, yeah. I mean, I love that. And at this point, she's not trying to disrupt what Justin has going no. on. She could have insisted that he come to her yeah. house to get ready. Like, she's trying to No, add. you're my child. Mm-hmm. Be at my house. Yeah, like she, she's just like, I'm jumping in with what you've got going on. I'm here to support. You know, you are mm-hmm. still my son. I still love you. But 
you know, I'm not going to disrupt what you've already got going on over here. This life that you're building over here. She wants to be a part of yes. it. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's important. I'm glad that you pointed that out. Uh, so then we go over to prom and it's kind of lit, you know, for a high school prom. No, that prom was lit. Okay, I like it. <laughs> for a private school? Yeah. yeah no, it's it's especially for a private yeah. school. And Daphne and Justin are dancing and Chris Hobbs is over there and he's looking just bothered by what he sees, but I'm not going to waste time You can just see the jealous right look in his lips. I mean, we're not going to give him no breath. No, but not, I'm the, I can't do jealous. him. I can't do him right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back. Mm. Uh, so then Ted and Emmett are going to visit Blake and when they get there, they find out that he has checked himself out. And not only that, he left the CD behind for Ted. So we know that they like, don't get back together. That was the symbolism right there. Like they never, that story ended with them not working it out. So, I mean, when he left the CD, that was enough said. Yeah. And that was sad. You didn't even try, you know? That's why he didn't even he didn't even try yeah. at all. You checked in that same day and then four hours later, before you even had any treatments, you check out? Yeah. Well, see, and that's what I meant earlier when I said Blake was doing, he's like, I'm doing this. It's for us, right? Because uh, Blake himself wasn't ready. He wasn't mm-hmm. ready uh, no. for this journey and and to be sober. He And that's not a diss on him. That's not a you're a horrible person. It's just he wasn't ready for it. No. The timing just was not right. And then, but I think Ted had to learn. Like, Ted did everything he could. You know, got him a job, gave him a place to stay. Yeah. Like, all this other stuff. Got him into rehab even. But Ted could not save him. Like, he no. cannot be his savior. Uh, even if he expended all his money yeah. and all his time and all his resources, he could not save him. Definitely, if Blake was not ready for it. You have to want it for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not for anyone else. Yeah. So, back at the prom, uh, Daphne and Justin are are cutting a nice little rug, and uh, Daphne spots someone, and the camera goes over, and we see... Oh, you see this white uh, scarf? <laughs> and my heart, and I got the screaming oh, and jumping. And my eyes got to, like, burn Girl, oh my God. I was like, I knew it. Like, I'm, I mean, listen, uh, this is how my voice... Look... Look how my voice has just went all the way up. It is just crazy. Like, I was ecstatic. I was like, they are so everything right now. Like, I mean, bold, courageous, um, fun, flirty, everything. It's everything to me. I mean, Brian walks in. He initially looks kind of a little bit like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this. Yeah, like, I'm doing it. But here's the thing. Like, Brian shows up looking very nice. And I don't point that out just to say how hot he is. I point that out because if Brian was showing up just to make a mockery of this or he say came as Brian. Yeah, he would have came like he was going to Babylon. Yeah. I mean, when we saw how he went to the party that was at Dr. David and Michael's house yep. and he had those ridiculous leather pants on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But he wanted to look nice for Justin he was on this night. Yeah, really yeah. sharp and cleaned up. I mean, definitely definitely dressed to impress. Yeah, and so he spots Justin and Daphne and he and he walks over and uh Justin's like, "I thought, you know, you and me caught dead here." And Brian tells him, "You know, I thought I'd recapture my lost youth." And of course, that has like layers yes, of meaning, absolutely. but it goes back to what we said earlier. Youth is not in just how your age, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that you know, of course, when he's talking about his youth, he's talking about, you know, just being right. and experiencing this thing with Justin. But and then also Justin is a youth, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of recapturing him. But there's something about there's something inside of Justin that is just full of just hope and life and light yes. and wonder. Uh-huh. And that intrigues Brian and that is attractive to him and just kind of draws him in. And so there's something youthful about Justin that he kind of gets to live vicariously right. through that and also that shines a little bit on him mm-hmm. 
And so I think, you know, that's part of why he's there. Even as he's saying it, he's like rubbing his hand on his lapel Mm -hmm. there. And it's just beautiful. It is. is. And I love that he doesn't leave Daphne out as well. I mean, he includes her and tells her she's beautiful. She looks hot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Definitely. Like, I love how he includes her and makes her feel good for the moment as well. And then she's just like all cheesing and grinning. (laughs) And, uh... He she he asks you know may I borrow your date and then she's like okay sure yeah <laughs> and Brian leads him out to the dance floor and they dance to they are cutting save it save up the last dance by the Drifters now the thing is if you are streaming Queer's Folk it doesn't have the original music and that is such a disservice because mm-hmm. you have to have this scene with that original song okay so I want to talk about this song save the last dance for just a minute. This song is so perfect for the two of them for this dance that we see at the prom because when this episode starts, Brian is there with two other guys, you know, um, having this just amazing time. Yeah. And the lyrics to this song say, go dance with whoever, smile at whoever. You can even let them hold you tight. But while we're apart, don't give your heart to anyone. And don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're going to be at the end of the night. At the end of it all, don't forget you're going to be with me. We're going to be with each other. And so it's just we've seen Brian with a ton of guys, not just in this episode, but, you know, this whole season. And so this song is so perfect. And that's why it's, it's so bad when it streams with another song, because this one is so perfect for them. Like, go and have your fun, do whatever. But at the end of the night. You're going to be in my arms. Your heart is still with me. And there is no song that is more perfect for Brian and Justin at this point on this night at prom. And it is beautiful and perfect. And I'll watch it with this grin on my face. And <laughs> my face is going to be sore tomorrow because I'm smiling so big watching them on the dance floor. Because it is just it is just like the picture of romance and love to me. <laughs> yes. No, it was. It was the most cutest thing. I mean, like. I didn't think he really was going to show up. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that he actually came, it was like, you don't have to say I love you because now I know. Like, yeah. I know. Well, and for Justin, like, he was kind of like, okay, he's not going to come, fine, whatever. But I was I was brave enough to ask him. You yeah. He turned me down, but it's whatever. I'm here with Daphne, my best friend. We're going to make the best of the night. But, yeah, he shows up. He shows and up. And so, as they start to dance, we see Chris Hobbs, and he just looks sick over the whole yeah. thing. Uh, but as they're dancing, like, Brian places the scarf on him. And, you know, they just are all over the dance floor and like they just look amazing. Yeah, and they even made out. And I was just like, that is so damn bold and so hot. And I'm just so proud of them. <laughs> like, they've come so far. Like, for real, like, they have come so far. Uh, I loved it. Daphne loves it. Uh, and, you know, in the crowd, you see some people are happy, some are jealous, some are upset. But Brian and Justin don't care. The only two people in that whole room. You know, there are them. only two people mm-hmm. in that whole room. Yeah. Uh, and so while they're dancing, we see Michael with sitting with the, the ticket. Um, and he's, you know, trying to decide what he's going to do with that. Then we go back at the prom and we see uh, Justin is removing Brian's jacket. And to me, that is like the sexiest thing that happens between the two of them all season long. I think it's because he's undressing him, almost removing a layer of his armor. And I mean, we've seen Brian naked, but not like this. This is a totally different thing, a totally different undressing. And Brian is not initiating this. He is allowing Justin to to do it. Uh, and by and in doing so, Justin is exposing a part of Brian's true self. 
And like I said, Brian's letting him. He's allowing it. And I think there's a bit of a nervous excitement in Brian, but Justin is right there to reassure him. Just like, I got you. <laughs> you know. And just watching them dance here, like we've seen them dance together mm-hmm. at Babylon, but this is a totally different kind of dance. This no, it is was, it. It was a slow dance. It was like nice and slow. Like it was sensual, I guess you would call that. Intimate dancing. Yeah. The, the, the way they stared into each other's eyes. It was happy. It, it, it was heartfelt. Yeah. This was meaningful. Yeah, you know, meaningful. it wasn't just like foreplay before we go to the back room. Like this had a lot of meaning to mm-hmm. it, you know. For for both of them, not just for Justin, I don't think. I think for both of them, it had a lot of meaning to it. You know, Brian's twirling him all over the dance floor. He kisses him in front of everyone. <laughs> and uh, and you see Daphne. She is so happy because she knows what this means mm-hmm. for Justin. Because she's been on this journey with him from the first night, mm-hmm. you know, that first morning when um, Brian has told him, you know, you'll see... You can see me in your dreams or whatever. And then she's seen Justin have to chase after him. She's seen Brian put Justin out of the loft and take him back into Mm -hmm. the loft. Mm -hmm. You know, so she's been on this journey with him. And so she she knows how important this is for her friend. And I'm right there with Daphne. We are like number one and two (laughs) of the Brian Justin fan club. Yes, for real though. Uh, So we go back to Michael. And we see that he has decided to go. get on the plane, yeah, yeah, to go. And so he's running through the airport, um, you know, trying to get his bag to fit down in that. Oh, he's pounding that, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm taking yeah. his carry-on, okay? I'm he is clearly not flying Spirit, because they'll let you do that. They sure don't. <laughs> if it don't fit, the bag don't fit, baby, you know, you must yeah. go quick. Okay? Yeah. So Brian and Justin finish their dance, and uh, Brian leads them off the dance floor. And then we see them again, and they are in the parking garage. And they're still, like, laughing and singing and dancing together and just being cute and awesome <laughs> and wonderful human beings. Justin tells him, it was the best night of my life. You know, we, we gave them all a show, and he tells him it was mm-hmm. the best night of my life. And Brian says, even if it was ridiculously romantic. And maybe it's not the best night of Brian's life, but I think it's up there. No, it was a good night. I mean, he he's, he cares for Justin. Yeah. He does. Well, and he did never. We know Brian didn't do that. Uh, we don't. I don't know if if he went to his prom. We know he didn't take a guy right, to his prom. Right. We know that for sure. Yeah, because his parents so, had no idea. Yeah. And so this is something that we've commented on before. He he also likes Justin's bravery yes. and Justin's inner strength. Like he's attracted to that as well. Mm-hmm. And so getting to see Justin out here being exactly who he wants to be, like, I think that's meaningful to him. Mm-hmm. So they they go over to the Jeep because, you know, I'm guessing it's probably appropriate for Brian to just right. come yes, do so one yeah. dance and then, you know, dip out that's there. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I thought that was so sweet. He came in, he made the appearance, he made Justin's night. You know, like, I'm not going to yeah. say the whole night. That's because, all it took was that yeah, one that dance one to make dance. his whole night. Yeah. yeah, so walk me to my car, but then, you know, I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your night. Yeah, and so they go to the car and... um Brian leans in to kiss him, but before he does, there's like a pause. And I think in that moment... He was going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I think in that moment, there's a lot that passes between them. I think, one, Brian wants him to notice that this moment is different. This kiss is different. And I think it's because at this point, Brian still may not even have words or a label for what he feels toward Justin, but... I think this is him saying, okay. I feel something. I've, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not hiding from it. I'm not running from it. Like, I'm acknowledging it, and I want you to know and see that I'm acknowledging it. Right. Um. And so, you know, we have just that that beautiful little pause right there before, before he kisses him. 
And he gives him the scarf and um, he tells him later. Yeah. My thing, I think that later is, okay, you go back in there with Daphne. You yeah. get her home safely. Then come on over to the loft. Yeah, come over to the loft. We're going to have our after party. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're going to bring in the prom just right. Yeah, we're going yeah, to close out the night, yeah. you know, <laughs> how we do. Uh, so then Brian gets in the car um, to leave, but before he can, he's got to get one, one last, last glimpse. glimpse. I, yeah, love, I love how at he Justin. Looked. I love it. And so he's looking at him in the side view mirror and, you know, I think he's just like so intrigued by this, this guy, you know, and so he's just watching him and Justin walks off and he's so happy. Like you said, this is the best night of his life. And mm-hmm. so he's walking away to go back into the prom and then... um. Girl. Then we mm. see someone standing there with uh a, holding a bat, and Brian sees this too. I'm furious. And immediately jumps into action, and he hops out of the jeep, and you even see him like push off the jeep, like trying to accelerate right, himself, trying right. to get there. And he calls out Justin's name, and right as he does, Justin turns around with this big smile on his face, and Chris Hobbs yeah. hits him in the face with a baseball bat. Yeah. That's devastating. And Brian gets there, like, right after this happens, right after the bat connects, Brian gets to him, and immediately, Brian is picks up... Attack the, mode. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he grabs the bat from Chris Hawk, like, chases him down, grabs the bat from him, and then, like, takes his knees out, basically. Thank God. And Ruin that go- football career, okay? You're like, you're done. We didn't dealt with you this whole damn year, okay? You didn't came up to the strip causing trouble with your little hoodlums. You know, we're done with you. There's no more of you, Chris. Like, yeah. you're done. And then he goes back to, to check on Justin and then just like covered in blood, probably unconscious at this point, and Brian's just screaming, no, 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 like, God, and... Oh, it's just, it's a lot Girl. emotionally for me right there. Ooh, I know. Um, it's a whole lot. So, okay, I'll talk about Chris Hobbs to get myself together. Why does Chris Hobbs have a bat at the prom when he's a football player? Like yeah. you said, that's what everybody's question is. So yeah. it's like, you came, you came to here to do something. Uh-huh. Yeah, because the whole night, even when Justin was just dancing with Daphne, Chris Hobbs is watching him. Yep. And then you see just like a quick little glimpse when Brian walks in. Chris he Hobbs remembers yeah, him uh-huh. because he met him on, on the, the he, he rem- yeah. yeah, and on he Liberty should Avenue. remember that when he tried to push he up on Justin, up Brian was like, oh no, that ain't happening here, dude. Mm-hmm. So he recognizes that face. And then, so yeah, he... I just choose to believe that he has something oh, that was planned this whole time. And thank God Brian did show up because if he would, if Brian would have been gone or if he wouldn't have been there, he totally would have swung again. Yeah, no, he would have. He yeah. definitely would have. I mean, I don't know. It's so many different things, but clearly it was premeditated. Like he came there on a mission yeah. to mess Justin up. Um. So um, we go back to the airport and Michael is at the gate and to catch the plane with Dr. David while Dr. David waits inside the plane. And Michael gets a call right as he, as he um, is at the gate. Uh, And then the next thing we see is the ambulance, the doors being open and they're pulling Justin out. And we don't know Justin's condition, but it, it looks bad. Um, And then Brian climbs out and he's got the bloodstained scarf there in his hand Mm. And I can just imagine what that ride to the ER was like yeah. for for Brian. Um, and then we see him sitting in the hall at the hospital, and Michael walks in to join him. And 
they I think the script def- describes Brian as being soul dead in that moment when you see his face. And then when you see him, you can see how there's blood on his face and on his mouth. And so whether that's from him trying to Do resuscitate to Justin yeah. or kiss Justin or whatever. Um, yeah, and he's covered in blood. That tells you how he was holding him, waiting mm-hmm. on the ambulance to, to get there. Um, yeah, and it's just heavy. Because let me tell you, when Brian Kenny cries, I cry. Yeah, I know. Like... Oh, like we wanted to see some type of emotion for him the whole season, but I didn't want it to take Justin being, you know, beaten to yeah. to bring out the true emotion. Like, I mean, you could see the hurt on yeah. him. Like Brian cried. If Brian's crying, like I mean, it's bad. Yeah. And I think it just shows how deep whatever whatever he's feeling toward Justin, it shows you how deep it is in this moment that he's just sitting there like completely like i said just completely soul dead mm-hmm. in that moment yeah yeah oh my god and at first i was like no like when michael's phone rang we already i already knew in that moment that it was brian calling him you know mm-hmm. he could have called you know deb he could have called anybody but he called michael michael's gonna come there not judge at all so sympathetic so i mean i'm happy michael chose his heart you know like he chose what he does best and that's take care of his friends yeah. you know you know i think that and this isn't wrong but i think if he'd have called anybody else those people would have been there to see about justin mm-hmm. brian needed somebody there to For see him. about him yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and that sounds selfish but that's it wasn't selfish at all um he needed somebody in that moment because he's like i don't know what's going on mm-hmm. with justin um Okay, now I want to talk about the journey and symbolism of this scarf in this episode, at least as I see it. Like I said, I think Brian buys the scarf as kind of a middle finger to aging and routine and living a boring middle-aged life. And this is coming on the backside of him losing out on the opportunity to get out of Pittsburgh and move to New York and do something new, something different, like he says. I mean, he's just turned 30, which to Brian might as well be like 97. And he's doing everything that he can to buck against that. And so he sees this scarf and he wants it. And so he buys it. Now, I do think there's something hedonistic about it. Uh, Like I said, it's like instant gratification. And even more than that, it hints at a bit of recklessness that starts to boil when we see him high and drunk at the loft and then dancing around. And then it bubbles over when he tries scarfing with this scarf. Um, I don't think he's overly concerned about living or dying in that moment. Like I said, I think he's just kind of indifferent about it. Uh, It's just about chasing pleasure. After Michael shows up and helps Brian rediscover or reclaim his powers, uh, you know, you'll always be young, you'll always be beautiful. The next time we see the scarf is when Brian is showing up at prom. And to me, that's when the the symbolism of the scarf kind of morphs, when he does rediscover his powers and rediscover his self. remembers that he does have other things aside from his reputation or whatever to live for. And so Brian goes from risking his life with this scarf to taking a very different and more hopeful type of risk with Justin. So it goes from being something that could ultimately lead to his death to something that is pushing him toward a a, a different kind of life. And for Brian, who, like I said, initially, this was about instant gratification. Brian's not really concerned what the future is. He's just kind of like living in the moment. But now the scarf becomes something that uh, speaks of possibilities. 
And I like that throughout their dance at the prom, that symbol of hope is passed between the two of them. It, it connects them, you know, as one of them's wearing it, the other one is kind of, you know, holding on to it and rubbing it and touching it. And just it's just an extension of the two of them. It's something that is tethering the two of them together. When Brian saw it, he purchased it because it made him feel young and beautiful. And now he's shown up to prom and bestowed it on the person who makes him feel young and beautiful. And I think that's why he gives it to Justin. He doesn't need the scarf to make him feel those things because he's finally willing to acknowledge and admit in his own way that Justin makes him feel those things. When Brian and Justin part and Justin is heading back inside, this scarf is for Justin, you know, who has it around his neck and is holding onto it with this huge, beautiful smile. This scarf is proof that Brian showed up. It's further proof that he cares. Um, and then when this episode takes a very tragic turn, it takes the scarf with it. After the bashing, we see Brian coming out of the ambulance with this bloodied scarf in his hand. And what was just something so beautiful and hopeful has now been stained. And it's like visibly jarring these deep crimson stains on a pure white cloth. Uh, and there's a lot of symbolism in that, of course. And then we see it around Brian's neck. And that whole journey that Brian has had with this scarf in the last few days just sits heavy on his shoulders. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one small piece of cloth, but it tells us so much in this episode. Oh, and then we get the flashback of them running down the hall and all looking so just youthful yes. and full of life. And, um, yeah, and just like what a journey it's been from that night to this night. Yeah, and also when they're running down the hallway, it was because a new life had arrived. Yeah. Now we leave the cliffhanger as if a life is going to be taken. Right. You know, like, so, I don't, oh, it's just so sad. Yeah. Um. Another thing to consider is that for a lot of the audience, this was a first glimpse into a, a version or just one slice of the LGBT community. And I think you can't leave it with everything on a positive note. Like, the boy gets his man, they have this beautiful dance at prom, and they go home, and everything is perfect and beautiful. Um, you need people to see what homophobia does to people who are just trying to live their life and love who they love. And I'm not saying that's why they wrote it this way, but it's what I leave from this episode with. And one other thing I want to touch on is the song that's playing when Brian is sitting in the hospital looking, like we said, soul dead, and it's just so beautifully portrayed through Gail's face there. But anyway, um, I can't even pretend to pronounce the real name of that song, but it's often translated to Forgive Me, Father. And the English version of the lyrics are something like um, Spare Me, Father. And it's a desperate plea and prayer. Like, don't be angry with me. Forgive me for what I have done. And that is just very interesting to think about you know, as Brian is sitting there with that song playing over him and over that whole scene as he's sitting there thinking about, you know, what has happened, what has transpired on this night. Yeah, it is like such a great finale, but man, it was. It was I draining just, though. Whew. Oh my God. Like, I was so happy. Like, finally, Justin has won. Like, yeah. He made it like yeah. everything like because Justin's been through so much in this season, mm -hmm. been through so much. And I was like, finally, like this boy has made it. And no, like, again, he makes it 10 steps forward and then get knocked back 20. Drug back. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, 
I feel like, but that's so real life though, right. you know? Um, cause yeah, they could have had it in with just like twinkling stars and, you know, this great romantic scene back at the loft. But I feel like this is so real, you mm, know, like this mm-hmm. is something that happens, a oh, gay bashing, like that's something that, that still happens, you know? Right. And because that is so true to life and it's so like, like you said, we see him, everything's going so great, but I think if it'll just, if everything would have went out with just sunshine and roses, then it would have been hard for people to relate to that because there's not, that's not been their own personal journey. Right, know? right. Um, or they've had to deal with a lot more obstacles and opposition. Um, and so I, I think it was appropriate for it to, to end that way. Yeah, but it just, ooh, that just hurt But I hated though. to see it. Yeah, uh, me too. And so I now I gotta to sit it. with that <laughs> for, I know. Oh, the rest of the night. God, it's just terrible, but. Oh, I can't wait to start season two, though. I know. Season like, two is going to be great. Nothing yeah, well, bad's going to happen. It's yeah. going to be awesome. <laughs> For real. Like, I can't wait. I really can't. Well, guys, thank you so much. We finally made it. This was episode, um, season one, episode um, 22. So, I mean, like, we went through it and we went on this journey together, not knowing how we're going to end <laughs> up. But, um, yeah, we we found it out together and we we made it work. And we love you guys. And we owe it to you guys for tuning in each and every week. And being creative with us and starting conversations, you know. Um, so we just definitely want to thank you guys. I mean, we could not have done this without you. Yeah, thank you so much. And we've got four seasons to go. We'll get through them. Yes, we sure will. <laughs> so we're down season one. Make sure you guys stay tuned for season two. And um, if, like we always say, like, share, comment. And until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.